You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. This episode of the Sportsman's Nation is brought to you by Outdoor Edge and their complete lineup of replaceable blade knives, fixed blade knives, and game processing kits. Now, we've all been there before, trying to field dress your wild game with a dull knife. This is where Outdoor Edge really steps in. With the Razor Safe system, you can have a brand new razor sharp blade with just the push of a button. No more dull blades and no more problems processing your wild game. To check out all of the products from Outdoor Edge, visit OutdoorEdge.com. And at checkout, enter the discount code NATION30. That's N-A-T-I-O-N-3-0 for 30% off of your purchase. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Hunting Gear Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Johnson, and I have a bit of a stuffed up nose today. I do apologize if that uh, if you can hear that, but... Uh, tough shit, I guess. <laughs> just uh, uh, write it out. It's not in the actual recording. It's just me here uh, talking with a stuffed up nose right now. But with that said, we have an awesome podcast today. We're going to be talking to the guys from Timber Ninja Outdoors. Uh, they make uh, some pretty cool climbing sticks. They make some badass. Uh, they're coming out with a new platform, Hang On. Uh, they're are going to come out with some... Uh, saddle type equipment and uh, they talk about all of this in uh, in the podcast today so stick around for that but today I'm going to keep this intro short Uh, just make sure you guys are subscribed to the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast the Iowa Hunt Fish podcast and of course the Hunting Gear podcast lots of great content coming out there on top of that um, I think that's it really Uh, just going to keep this intro short we're going to do a quick commercial here uh, first commercial that we're going to do is the Average Conservationist. Now, you've heard me talk about these guys before. Um, they are a, a lifestyle brand and apparel company. And uh, right now, my two favorite pieces out of their lineup are the General Hat. Uh, I wear that almost every day. And uh, the Euro Tee. The Euro Tee I do not wear <laughs> every day. I wash it, and then I wear it again the next week. But the Euro T and the General Hat are my two favorite pieces out of there right now. But what makes this uh, apparel company or this lifestyle brand really cool is, first, they have a podcast on the Sportsman's Nation, the Average Conservationist podcast. And second, the Average Conservationist, right off the top, donates 10% of all earnings to some sort of uh, a conservation effort, whether that's at the local level or at a, a national level, 10% right off the top they are a two percent for certified company so uh every time you buy one of their products essentially you are donating to conservation because 
you're giving your money to a company that donates 10% of their earnings to a, uh, a conservation effort and on top of it all they're uh you know the cherry on top is actually is that the the logos the tees the hats uh the the hoodies they're all badass they're all soft they they make a guy like me look good and that's uh, that's hard to do so uh go check out the average and if you want to save 10 percent on your purchase enter the discount code n FC10 NFC10 and that's going to save you 10% off your purchase. Uh, the next one we're talking about Lone Wolf. Man, I I say it every time. Lone Wolf is is that appendage. It's that other part of me that every time I walk into the woods uh, throughout all the years, it's just like an arm or a leg. Uh, it's just second nature for me to use four sticks and an assault tree stand on a running gun to get wherever I need to get to Uh, in a crooked tree and a tree with a lot of branches and a straight tree um, you know and we've all been there before where five yards can mean a huge different right difference right if maybe you had a different setup you would have been able to sit in the crooked tree as opposed to the straight tree because the crooked tree is deeper into that pinch point the wind's doing what you need it to do the um the access is better whatever it allows you to be in the right spot not the close enough spot so uh lone wolf tree stands like uh um they're just I don't know, my, my favorite, man. So Lone Wolf, uh, Lone Wolf Hunting Products.com. Go check it out. Climbers, hang-ons. Uh, I use the Assault for my running gun. I use the Alpha for more of my permanent rut locations, you know, in the pinch points where I'm in the right spot. I got those set up before the season starts. And if you want to save $50 off of all purchases over $100, enter the discount code 9FC21. 9FC21 and it's going to save you $50 basically 20 I think it's 18 to 25% depending on what you what you buy but uh, that's a big deal that's better than retail any day so uh, take advantage of that and those are the commercials and let's get into today's podcast with the guys from Timber Ninja all right, on the phone with me today, Mr. Jason Red from Timber Ninja Outdoors. What's up, man? Not much, man. It's enjoying a Monday. Yeah, like I, like I mentioned to you before we started recording, I uh, uh, with with three kids home today because there's some kind of teacher in service work day. Um, it's a Monday. Uh, we were gone all weekend, so all these things kind of have piled up to make my Monday not very efficient so far. So I'm glad that I have this conversation with you to come to my office and just get away from everything. Yeah, I completely agree. I know, I know what that's like. Yeah. But same here. I just got back late last night from being gone too, so understand. Yep, yep. So it's spring in the United States. Have you been doing any turkey hunting? Yeah, I've done a fair amount. I started in Alabama in March, went for a long weekend, had bad weather, didn't get anything done there. And I've hunted not as much as I normally do in North Carolina, but we it's just been the last few years we just hear less and less birds and yeah. birds bird populations going down. So I be my first year, uh I moved here twelve years ago and it's the first year I didn't kill a bird in North Carolina. But yeah. uh, it is what it is. <laughs> but I am going to West Virginia this weekend, so nice. That should 
to yeah. be a little bit better there. There's something going on, and I don't know necessarily what it is. Uh, all I can say is that from my experience at turkey hunting, um, and I don't spend a ton of time in the woods chasing turkeys uh, in, here in Iowa, but I will tell you this. Over the past couple of years, I'd say three years, the turkey population is not what it used to be. I used to be able to call and hear, man, probably 50 different birds gobble within, you know, like whatever I could pick up with my hearing. And I would call in multiple toms in, in a three-day period. I mean, I mean a lot. If I, if I messed up on a bird, I ha- would have the best confidence to go and get on another one and call that one in. And the last three years just hasn't, it's been different. I I agree. I I don't know what it is. I mean, you know, same when I first moved here, I could go around and, you know, same, same scenario. And I would tell friends from where I grew up, you know, it's like, Hey, you got to come hunt with me. Some of the best Turkey hunting. And then now like, it's just, I mean, I I hunt mainly, you know, 95% public ground, national forest. And I hunt places that nobody, you know, a lot of my spots, I never run into a hunter and you know i could go back in there and call up five birds opening day and i haven't killed a bird in one of these spots in two years and i know nobody's killing them out uh and another good thing you know good observation is you know used to you could ride around up here and see them all all spring in the field strutting you know four or five strutters oh yeah and i i've i've seen birds in a field three times this year and I don't know. You know, I'm not a biologist, but I think it has something to do around here with we've had a couple of wet springs and uh, and nobody coon hunts anymore. And I think, you know, coons and skunks and things like that must have something to do with it. You know, that that wreak havoc on these ground nesting birds. And I think, you know, we're having a a sprawl and um, home building up here. And I think a lot of the habitats getting pushed down and, you know, even like your your coyotes are, are going after turkeys more than they used to maybe i don't know i mean i haven't witnessed that but i think predation has something to do with it personally yeah i talked to a wildlife biologist a while ago and he mentioned that the raccoon population in the united states is they're they're very overpopulated throughout the you know and exactly what you just said they're they and other mammals like possums and skunks um and here's a crazy one blue jays are some of the biggest threats to ground nesting birds like turkeys, quail, and uh, pheasants. Wow. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. I haven't heard that. Makes sense. I mean, they're pretty territorial. Yeah. Uh, so, man, I don't know. I just uh, hoping it, hoping, hopefully they recover and uh, we get back to the good old days, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. I started trapping this year. I, I grew up coon hunting and we have a lot of bear hunters up here because we have a, our bear population is out the roof i mean every year this more and more bears and um but but you got a lot of hound hunters that hunt bears but we don't have any hound hunters that hunt coons anymore i've been trying to find guys to go coon hunt with me and it's it's like pulling teeth to find somebody to coon hunt anymore so uh we started trapping this year my son and i just you know um running sets of uh dog proof traps and it's nothing to catch a coon around here they're they're everywhere man yep absolutely all right that you kill one coon that you're saving a, a nest and a half. That's what they say? That's what, yeah, I think I heard uh, uh, Dave Owens say that. I believe is who I heard say that from the Penhody Project. Huh. That's an interesting fact. Well, hopefully it's true. And uh, I don't, I, it, it's, it's hard, to, it sucks to say this, but when I see a dead coon on the side of the road, I don't feel sorry. Like, I'm just like, eh, 
that's a, that's a, another another thing I don't got to worry about. Yeah, absolutely. So, all right, let's talk about Timber Ninja here. Um, what year did Timber Ninja kick off and, and actually become a thing? Well, we started soft promoting the fall of 2019, and we released our first product in uh, the end of May of 2020. Okay. All right, so you guys are fairly new. Um, before this quote-unquote soft launch that you were doing, what were you guys thinking about? What was going through your heads? You know, why did you guys all of a sudden say, you know, hey, I want to start a outdoor company and have it focus on climbing sticks? Uh, well, that's the funny part. We never really had that idea. Um, I started making uh, sticks for myself, and... I already owned two other businesses and pretty busy and just really starting another one wasn't part of the, the whole shtick. It was, I, I wanted to make something cool for myself and I, I did that. I mean, it took a, a lot of time and, um, and you know, a lot of money too. I mean, it's not cheap to go start doing something nobody's done before. And I was able to do that. And, um, we, I hunted my sticks, um, for a year and a half working through the prototype and, and my buddies, you know, started seeing them and they were like, man, you should really start, you should sell these things. And I just, I really had interest in that. And, yeah. uh, but over time, like two of my, my good friends here in, in Asheville were like, well, if you want to do it, we know how you're limited on time. We'll get involved and we'll help, you know, we'll, we'll get this thing going. So that's essentially how it started. But, you know, for me, I wasn't just going to try to sell climbing sticks you, you can't necessarily sustain a business off one product you know uh, yeah. it's really tough and so you know what i felt is like nobody had really done anything you know very super innovative in the mobile hunting you know segment you know except for i mean the saddle you get i guess you could say that was innovative you know not really innovative because people have been doing it for a long time a rebirth yeah, they rebirthed it and more people put marketing dollars behind it and attention and, and it's taken off. But as far as like really advancing and um, changing how things are made and using different materials, it really hadn't been done. And so, you know, our model is to make the most innovative hunting products that we can uh, for mobile hunters. And, um, and that's the path that we're on. And, you know, it's a passion thing for us. It's not profit driven. I mean, you don't, you know, we don't overly market ourselves. Um, we we give back money to conservation uh even in our first year you know we made sure to stand behind those uh roots because you know ultimately we want to make sure that our kids can can do this down the road and have a you know more money going towards research to figure out what's going on with turkey populations you know make sure we have public lands to hunt um you know there's multiple areas there that we try to put our money towards and uh that's the goal is just you know be passionate about it and have fun and honestly, if, I don't, if I'm not having fun running the business, I'll just, I'll just stop it. You know, like, uh, I, I just, but I really enjoy it. It's fun. Yeah. A lot of good people. So when you, when you sat down and said, Hey man, you know, you, you talk yourself into saying there is space available in this category for me to, uh, you know, uh, create a, a different kind of product. You know, let's just say, you know, we're going to use climbing sticks here. Um, how many prototypes did you build out? and design and mess with before landing on what we see on your website now? I would say there was essentially seven different 
models that I went through with different step configurations, um, setbacks, and you know, mainly the first part of it was just trying to get the carbon tube that we use to withstand and and and, and carry the load after you penetrate it. So that took some time to figure out how to do that, and um, and after we did that, that's when we started really drilling down, or I started drilling down on you know, making a product that had, you know, good steps, uh, using different material there. I mean, we use, uh, a, um, a polymer for our step, which only people that really use something similar to that would be like the stacked outdoors people, which have a completely polymer based stick, you know? Um, and then, you know, getting the setback right. And then, you know, ultimately how to get it to stack as a, you know, a fixed two-step, which I think is the most efficient. I don't want stuff moving on my sticks. So, yeah. um, so it took about, you know, I would say about six runs to really get it dialed in. And, um, and for a lot of that, I use the same too, because one thing I wanted to do during this process, because I mean, obviously before we launched our product, if you read any, any, you know, people have talked about <laughs> using carbon, obviously, because yeah. it's weight, and, you know, different things that way, but everybody had failures and, uh, I wanted to take the carbon to failure. So like I was using some of the same tubes and just redrilling holes for different steps. And I still have those around here. It's quite interesting. And um, I never was able to get them to completely break. You know, you'd hear them splinter and do things, but they never fully collapsed on me, yeah. um, which is a testament to, you know, like, you know, there are aluminum sticks that have that do fail every once in a while. And, you know, the tube kind of cracks and bends in spots, you know, so it could be weaknesses or, or whatever. And the tube, tube, not necessarily the manufacturer's, you know, fault or anything. It's just you yeah. sell enough of something or have some type of weakness in the materials. You buy enough material, you know. Yeah. So it, it kind of goes, there's this, this progression. And we're starting to see it now with your company. And there's this huge, like... Everybody wants to go lighter and lighter and lighter. They're taking this uh, this Western backcountry theme and bringing it into the whitetail woods uh, for the you know the mobile guy. Why go carbon fiber right out of the gate? Why bring uh, a carbon fiber uh, type stick? It, was it strictly for one reason, and that was to be as light as possible? Uh, no, not necessarily. I mean, weight is is one good component as far as um weight of material versus strength ratio like carbon fiber is extremely strong um in a very lightweight product depending on how you lay it up you know i mean there's different ways of making carbon fiber um and so you know yeah it's lighter but also the things that you know for me there's a point of diminishing returns you know even for as a western hunter and, you know, I've done a lot of other stuff like where I had to be in the back country and u- utilizing lightweight material or l- lightweight packs. Um, you know, I never was the guy that cut my toothbrush in half, you know, um, if I did, it was just because of space more than it was weight. And, um, but the other factors that I found with carbon fiber that, that, you know, you have negatives in, in metal is one or two weights, one, two is noise and three is, um, thermal factors because you know carbon fiber doesn't hold heat or um cold the way that aluminum and other things will hold so like you know one of the problems you know and i'm sure being in iowa you've experienced this you you walk into your stand your hands are already cold on a really cold day you grab your sticks and it's like you're grabbing an ice block you know and your fingers don't function right and things like that so uh that was one of the one of the key components to using carbon fiber as well 
Okay. So let's talk a little bit about weight here because that's the biggest, that's the biggest conversation, um, that, uh, guys are having. They're like, Hey, I wish, uh, I wish someone would come out with a carbon fiber stick or a platform or whatever. Um, and you guys did that. What would you say is the, the difference between your, your carbon fiber, um, sticks and, uh, an average, uh, climbing stick that's already on the market as far as what the weight difference is yeah you can you can talk about weight you can talk about functionality you can talk about anything you want oh gotcha well you know from a weight perspective i mean we make an aluminum stick too that's made identical to ours and you know the with the same components except the tube has changed and so for that product alone you know you're, you're looking at um you know, five, six, you know, right at six ounces of weight difference between our two products. Uh, and, you know, if you look at some, some of the other metal shorter sticks, you know, because weight's all based on how long something is, you know, if you want to compare a stick to a stick, you really got to compare inch, you know, per inch weight more so than what is my stick weigh as a 20 inch versus somebody else's 17 inch, you know, uh, it's got to be a per inch weight scale. So, you know, the, the biggest benefit you know if you were looking at taking like you know a lot of guys modify their um, you know one of the most popular sticks you know is like a hawk helium or a, a lone wolf if you take a 20 inch one of those you know you're looking around two pounds in, in that in that ballpark for one of those sticks um so there's considerable weight difference between our product the same um length than there is those i mean you're looking at you know four, 14 ounces 15 ounces um so you know, there's, there's some weight factor there and that adds up, you know, most guys use four, four sticks. So, uh, but beyond that is when we were, when you're stacking sticks, either un, unstack, you know, unstacking them or stacking them at the end of the night, you're trying to be quiet. Anytime you hit a metal stick with anything metallic, it makes a, a very unnatural noise in the woods. Well, you know, with our stick, if you, hit it with, you know, a lot of guys are using saddles these days. So they're using carabiners and things like that, that swing around as they're going up a tree, you know, the, the, the possibility for contact with a carabiner is highly likely. Yeah. Um, if you hit any of our components that you would be exposed to during that, uh, the carbon or the polymer, it's a very dead, dense noise. Uh, I've done a, um, I done, I did a, uh, decibel, uh, comparison with our aluminum stick versus, versus our, our carbon, with the carabiner, I mean, it wasn't done in a lab or anything. It was just redneck engineering. I held a carabiner on a sling at the same distance and let it go and let it hit both of them and recorded it with the dosometer. And there was about 20 dB difference. So, so that's, um, it's quieter. It's a lot quieter. Yes. Yeah. And that's without, you know, any modification. I mean, you know, most of your sticks these days, every guy that gets aluminum sticks mods them to some degree, whether, they're um most of them are using stealth strip or something like that which you know that comes with a price and um in time you know what's your time worth and i personally i don't want to have to spend my weekends modifying my equipment i don't really have a lot of time so i want something that comes out of the box ready to hunt and that's that's what we market it's a ready to hunt product yeah i'm not a mod guy either you know and that that's been a conversation that you know, oh, I carry one, you know, I, I use one stick and about 400 feet of rope and I, <laughs> it's just, yeah. it's, uh, it gets kind of crazy and I'm, I guess I've never been that guy, but, um, so the difference between your aluminum and your carbon fiber, 
is the carbon fiber stick all carbon fiber or is there aluminum components in there as well? So the stick is a full carbon tube. Okay. Um, it's, it's made, you know, like I was saying, there's different ways you can lay up carbon fiber for different, different applications. And um, how this tube is made is um, it's what they call propulsion, where it's actually pulled through a mandrel um, with, you know, carbon fiber weave, weave materials pulled through a mandrel with resins and, and it comes out and then it settles and dries like aluminum sticks extruded. So it's pushed through a mandrel and that's how you get um, a carbon fiber. I mean, uh, that's how you get aluminum stick made or, or, or aluminum tubing made. And then, like I was saying earlier, the problem that I was having in the beginning was it's not as simple as just drilling holes in something and, and putting steps on it. You know, it will start to fracture and uh, you can hear it fracturing and splintering and things like that. Uh, so I had to reinforce those areas just where um, they're penetrated and you have bolts going through. We, we reinforced that with uh, aluminum, a smaller diameter aluminum tube. Okay. And, and that-, that, that was the problem is like, you know, a lot of these sticks, you know, you and I can go buy DIY stuff and make aluminum sticks and it works fine. Well, I had to have a lot of stuff machined and made to work inside. You know, there's not a lot of tube that just off the shelf uh, slides into a, a carbon fiber tube of the same diameter. So that that took a lot of time and, you know, and commit financial commitments to get that to work as well. Yeah. Now, when when a company says, all right. Uh, we have an, uh, you know, we have the, did the aluminum one come out first, by the way? No, it came out second is like, a uh, a different a, price a, option price option okay. for us. Yeah. Everything we're going to do, all of our products in the future will always have a aluminum, uh, component to it as well. Cause we had a lot of guys that were just like, Hey, we love your products. We love what your company stands behind, but we just can't really, you know, about the conservation and things like that. There's a lot of guys that are really into that and just like us and, uh, but they're like, we just can't justify spending, you know, $120 to get started, you know, entry level for our carbon sticks. So we came out with the aluminum just to give them a, a price point option. Yeah. And I know this is kind of a relative question, but I mean, can the, can the human hand or the human arm notice six ounces or five ounce difference in a stick? <laughs> That's a good question. Uh, like if you I know, picked up your aluminum and I picked up your your carbon fiber, would I be able to notice a a, a big enough difference for me to go ha? Ah. Or even if I stacked yeah. four, three or four on, on, and I picked them up, and I was like, okay, I I can see the 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 benefit of this carbon fiber now. Yeah, absolutely, you can. I mean, most people that receive a box of our products, um, you know, with four sticks, they can't, they don't believe there's four sticks in there when they get them. Uh, and if you if you hold one in your hand versus another, yeah, it's and how the it's not you know for the essentially six ounces, you know, um, it's it doesn't seem like that much but when you put them in your hand. How the carbon is balanced because all the weight is really at the you know at the step the front and the back where the steps are, so yeah. it feels it feels a lot lighter than it actually is to be honest with you. Uh, Whereas, you know, aluminum stick, the weight's carried out through the whole stick. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it, they're definitely, there's a wow factor when people pick them up. I, I will say that for most people that, that you know, I've personally witnessed it come by here, you know, at, out of trade shows or something like that. Yeah. All right. So the next question I have, though, is, all right, so there's the tubing. Are there any other 
um, plans for other components in the future to be made carbon fiber. And I'm not a machinist. I, I'm not a, uh, an engineer. So I don't even know if you can make carbon fiber screws or bolts or, or steps or, uh, things like that. But is there ever, um, a plan or an idea or a thought to go full carbon fiber? Yes. Um, yeah, there, there definitely is. There's some things that you really, you know, there, there's not bolts made out of carbon fiber. You, you essentially need to stick with um, metal on that. Uh, you know, uh, I personally think that that you need to stick with metal for the part that bites into the tree. Uh, but we, we do have some uh, new technology that we're working with, with, you know, we were talking about our lock-on stand that we partner with a company that, you know, is a high level carbon fiber, carbon fiber manufacturer. And they do have some technology where, you know, you, you will, we are going to be working on a second stick um, that will be more carbon fiber than the one we have now. Okay. And that would be on the step portion of it. Yeah. It would essentially, you know, kind of the all molded type product. Um, oh, okay. Okay. Um, and then, so, just out of curiosity, right? One stick here, one of your carbon, and I'm looking on on the website. It looks like one of your carbon fiber sticks is 120 bucks, right? Mm -hmm. And that's on the high end, uh, obviously, because you're paying for that carbon fiber. But when we start getting into a more carbon fiber type of um, uh, stick here where we're, you know, just adding more carbon fiber and it's going to get lighter and it's just going to, you know, the, the functionality is going to be there. But in your opinion, where does functionality and the price kind of, I don't, I don't know, price is just like, yeah, that's an awesome stick, but I'm not going to pay 300 bucks for one stick. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a good point. I mean, you're definitely, when you work with any higher end product, you know, a higher end price point, you're kind of, you're kind of calling on the niche market. You know, um, it's like, you know, the difference between a, a Hoyt carbon bow and aluminum bow in most people's hands, you know, and let's say that most average hunters, can they see the difference of it? No, but there's some guys or a lot of guys just like the cool factor of carbon fiber. You know, I, I raced bicycles for a long time and, um, started aluminum bikes and went into the carbon when they came about, but you know, the price, you know, doubled, but I saw the, the difference in longevity and, you know, for the bike, it was power transfer too. It was just, it didn't, didn't it wasn't as weak, you know, didn't flex as much as a, a aluminum did. Uh, but I guess that to some people, yeah, you're going to get to a point where you have diminishing returns. And, you know, the thing is, it's like, are the carbon sticks helping me kill more deer? No, not by any means. You know, there's no piece of gear that's going to help me kill, kill more animals. Um, that's all comes from time spent between, you know, uh, strengthening what's in between your ears, you know? Yeah. Um, but you know, yeah, there's going to be some people if you get up to $300 a stick that are going to be like, uh, no, nah, I can't do that. And, uh, I can't justify it. I mean, but the same thing was said about our sticks, you know, like, um, and I didn't really, you know, like I was saying earlier, it wasn't really ever a business model uh, to try to turn this into some super business. It was to make innovative stuff. And, and I've said this on other podcasts, like with our tree stand, it's going to be a higher price point uh, lock on. It's like if I, I like making it just for me and to say I, I made it, you know, it, yeah. that brings a lot of level of um, of success and just fulfillment. 
but um you know at some point yeah it gets too expensive i mean your niche market gets smaller you know what i mean yeah. uh but we we sold a lot more than i thought we would have in the first year but you know i also didn't have target numbers either um but people that do use them do see the benefits of it you know from a noise factor and things like that and most guys you know just really like new cool gear too yeah. um so but at the same time right like you're you're not going to take an l right if if the company starts to you know go down and 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 this is all about you know about price right you, you've you've realized that you've you've found the company has found a plateau or a, a point where people just won't go above that and although you're making cool products a business has to at some point start being successful you know what i mean oh yeah, yeah. no absolutely yeah uh, well you know it's funny to me is like i would have thought not being in the industry uh prior to this I would have thought there would have been a plateau after deer season and some of our best months uh, besides October were January, February, and March. Uh, that was some of our best months we've had as a business. And so it really picked up a lot more than I thought it would through this region. I mean, through this, this off season, but um, cause more people, you know, we don't spend a lot of money marketing or anything like that. So more and more people are coming to find out about them and um, you know, and, and, and as we bring out more innovative products that work together, you have systems that are lighter than other systems and yeah. people don't need to buy multiple sets to hunt. They can just do everything with one set, you know, so you end up buying one versus three or four. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, let's talk about this hang on, right. Um, is this a, uh, like break this, Break this uh, this new hang on tree stand down for us because uh, there has been another. There's another. There's other companies out there. You know, obviously we have the the hang ons that have been around for a while, and then we've had some new hang ons that have come out, and they're you know American made. Uh, they're they're uh, aluminum as well, and they're ex like some of them are like over six hundred bucks uh, for one single hang on. And, right. um, so why don't you break down this new hang on that, uh, you have, um, product you're prototyping right now. And that's, uh, when, when do you ha plan to have that to market? We, uh, the plans are to have it to market this summer, uh, we're shooting for July. Okay. And, um, so everything keeps going the way it is. I mean, we've been working on this for like two years. Like it's seen so many different versions. It's, it's ridiculous. Um, you know, um, which is the price of entry for this is way higher than going into what we did before, to be honest. Um, because you know, there's processes that you have to do and you have to cut molds and things like that. So it, it goes up pretty quick, but, uh, it, it, we, we will have it to market this summer. Um, we're down to the finishing line, which is great. Cause that, that keeps me up at night. Cause I, that's like my baby project that I'm really excited about. It's been that thing. Um, but it's, you know, originally we were going to do a completely mobile size, you know, very small, um, mobile kit. But the thing is, um, to your point earlier, like the market's a lot bigger in a more traditional size stand. And, um, so we can get to traditional size platform, seat height, seat size, and things like that with less weight. Uh, and also, you know, cleaner, um, 
I mean, it, it essentially looked like a Lamborghini of hands, you know. Um, yeah. And then, you know, the noise factor and things like that, you know, would be diminished as well. Um, so, yeah, it's it's a pretty rad product. Um, I'm, at one point, I was about ready to give up because it was just taking a long time and we were running a lot of failures in the beginning. But um, I'm glad we were able to work it out. All right. So, yeah, break this down for us. Like when I when I. I'm a I'm a a guy who doesn't know again the machining that goes into it. I don't know the um, the design and all the stuff that goes into what a, a hang on, you know, all the stuff that goes into producing a hang on. Is this going to look like a, a a hang on that we're used to, or is it going to be completely different? Is there going to be different functionality? Is it going to be lighter? Or is the carbon fiber uh, aspect being rolled into this as well? Oh yeah, it's a full carbon fiber. Uh, everything on it's carbon fiber except for the metal that goes into the tree, um, and then you know your your platform um, cables or what you know whatever people use in in, in that realm. Most people use cables. Uh, we're, that's, we're working on something different, right, with that as well. But um, <clears throat> yeah, it'll be lighter, um, considerably lighter for the size. You know. Um, I can't disclose the full because we overbuilt the, the where we're at right now. Um, and just from a weight factor, like the one we just finished, we overbuilt. It was a little under seven pounds, and but it was holding 1,100 pounds of weight. So essentially, you put a two-time safety factor in there. That's 550 pounds um, weight rating on it. So okay. it was way overbuilt. I mean, you know, two – Two uh, average size guys can could sit on that, you know, get on that stand and not not you know compromise it at all. Um, it, um, but you know, we're going to take some of the carbon out of it and um, make it a little bit thinner by doing that, and we'll get the weight down. But you know, the platform size uh, on it where it sits now is like eighteen and a half by twenty nine. So when you fold the seat and everything down, you don't have the seat you know, sticking out past the platform or anything like that. And it gives you a lot of room, um, on the stand. And I mean, we will make a mini version, uh, of this. Cause after we've figured out how to do it now, like we don't have to go through all these runs, you know, all we gotta do is make it smaller at this point. But, uh, personally, yeah, I, I don't need a lot of space, but technically the market really likes a, a little bit, if they're going to be in a hang on they're they want something a little bit bigger than some of the super lightweight stuff, you know, cause you get up there, yeah. it gets cramped, you know, um, if you're trying to turn and stuff and you're a bigger guy, uh, on a tree, especially if a tree has any type of angle to it, you know, and most of your modern lock-ons have adjustments to allow you to, um, hunt, you know, angled trees and off camber and stuff like that, you know? So if that tree's been in towards you and you're on a small platform, you're going to be pushed off towards the end of it. You know I mean? I'm sure you've experienced that before. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and that's one of the reasons I I don't wear big rubber boots anymore. <laughs> it's because yeah. uh, you feel like you're standing on a tin can, basically. Um, so let me ask you this: like, what do you expect the final uh, weight and dimensions to be on that final the 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 product that ends up going to market? Uh, the the platform dimensions will be. Uh, right there where we said about 18 and a half by 29, uh, with a 20 inch seat tube. So that gives you a, a 20 inch high seat. And, um, the seat itself is, like, I forget the dimensions on that. It's about, um, 12 inches wide by 
I believe eight deep. So you have plenty of butt room there for guys that have a little more junk in the trunk. Yeah. Um, you know, that's a, you know, one of the things you see a lot of people's complaints on some of these smaller ones, you know, to, to make aluminum smaller, I mean, lighter, what do you got to do? You got, you got to put less aluminum in it. Right. So, um, the ones that come out, you know, they have small platforms, short, shorter seat height and smaller seats. And, uh, you know, it, it's, you know, getting to the woods with a lighter pack is one thing, but, you know, as you know, the way most people capitalize on success and whitetail hunting is spending more time in the tree, right? I mean, unless you just get lucky and something shows up your first hour of your first, of your first day of repcation. But yeah, for most that doesn't really work out, you know, you have to put in the dra- the grind of all day sits and the best way to do that is, you know, sit, <laughs> having a comfortable stand to sit in. Yeah. So did you, did you mention weight there? What like the, the final weight for the overall is going to try to be? The final weight should, should be, um, low sixes and potentially sub six. Um, won't know until this is, uh, this new one's completely molded up. Okay. So, and, and we're, cause I'm sure you do a variety of different uh, product testing and, and know the specs of other, um, yeah, other I guess what you would call your competitors. Um, where does that stand? Where does that around six stand with the other hang-ons that are on the market? Uh, you know, I mean, currently the lightest out there is the, the Lone Wolf Custom Gear 0.5. And I think it's around five and a half to six, somewhere in that range. Um, and, you know, then I guess the new B stand, which is a bigger stand than that, uh, probably more, I would say more, I believe more comparable in size to ours. I think it's in the like mid to high sixes. So, and, um, and I think there was another one released, um, like last week or something. It's smaller, but you know, it's around eight pounds. Um, so it, you know, there again, size, you know, uh, square inch per weight, you know, we should be the lightest, um, when it comes to market. Okay. And then, uh, let's see, does that, when you, when you purchase a, a stand, does it come with a, a seat at all? Like a pad to sit on? Yeah, we're going to be working on that. That's like the thing we're working on right now is playing with different types of, um, material to get a comfortable seat. You know, um, yeah. I just don't want to throw a traditional foam seat on there. You know, it's, uh, we, we got some different types of foam technologies that we're looking at that okay. will, um, make it more comfortable yeah so what do you guys expect and i know this you may not have this a hundred percent down right now but this uh carbon fiber uh hang on where are you guys thinking it's going to land as far as price point is concerned uh it's going to be targets you know between six and seven hundred bucks between six and seven hundred dollars you said yeah okay yeah all right okay um, anything else as far as the, the tree stand is concerned, any, uh, uh, cool functionality, um, anything that it's going to make it stand out other than the fact that it's all carbon fiber. Uh, I mean, it's going to have all your platform and seat adjustments, uh, sticks will integrate into it. Um, and essentially we're making it to where anybody's sticks will work with it. That's, that's the goal we're working on. We've got we we figured out how to do it right for our sticks. But the thing is like, I, I know not everybody uses our sticks. So like we don't want to pigeonhole somebody into having to buy our sticks for it to function properly with our stand. So 
Um, right now we're working on trying to get it to where the other people sticks, you know, for the most part, uh, uh, well, a vast majority of people sticks would, would work with our stand. That's, that's the goal. Okay. And that's pretty cool. I'll be honest when, uh, when a company, cause there's, there's a lot of companies out there that only want you to buy their products, but that's unrealistic. If you ask me, you know, from somebody coming from, you know, from the outside looking in, uh, and this happens in, uh, one example would be trail cameras where, uh, you know, if you use an SD card in one trail camera, it will permanently format that trail, that, that SD card to where it won't work in any other, uh, trail cameras except that brand. Okay. So, when when you make uh, a product like what you're about to make um, or what you're finishing up here and you have the the product that is, you know there's almost like a universal functionality behind it man i think that's pretty badass yeah i mean i, I think so i mean to i mean cuz i'm not you know it's like a, it's a passion thing and, yeah. and like i'm a realist and there's some people that chase the the financial gains of this and if it was all about the money i probably already stopped <laughs> but <laughs> like not because we're losing money it's just like um i'm just i was motivated by money growing up but you know like no longer am i because like reality is just like i want to do good you know it's, it's kind of like patents work you know like volvo created the seat belt but they didn't patent it because they wanted the technology to be available for everybody yeah and like it, it just that's just how i feel about products like I shouldn't be in fear of somebody knocking us off if I'm continuing to, if we're continuing to innovate, like, you know, like people are already doing sticks like ours. And I, you know, I know one of my suppliers that makes the carbon gets calls all the time from people, you know, want to know what type of tube we buy. And the thing is, is like, they can copy that stick if they want. Like we're already working on the next stick, you know, like you always got to stay a step ahead. And, and if you're doing good things, people notice that and they support good people. I mean, that's, that in my opinion, that's sales philosophy one on one. People buy from people they like and who are like them, and that's the brands you get behind. And that's that's the stance we want to make. You know, is being dudes that you know want people to have a good time in the in the woods and want to have plenty of places to hunt and animals and critters to get after. And that's why we give back to conservation from day one. And um, in you know most of the competitors out there, like I've t- talked and called most of them right even before we launched our. Um, our products and I have really good relationships with a lot of them and share ideas with them of what we're doing, you know, cause I'm just personally not, um, intimidated by that, you know, or yeah. insecure. Yeah. Um, well, um, the, the hang on sounds like it's coming, but it also sounds mm-hmm. like you guys are jumping into the saddle market as well. Um, with, with some potential saddle gear coming out. Why don't you talk to us a little bit about that? Yeah, we're, we, um, I mean the whole, motto of the company is a mobile hunting products company so it was always from day one we were going to have products that work for all type of mobile hunting setups um and i I have a background i've I've been selling and training inspecting um fall protection for 15 years and uh i've been rock climbing for a long time so it was a pretty natural you know segue for us to get into saddles you know i've spent a lot of time hanging from ropes and webbing and so uh I, I know a good deal about that and i have good partners that can help us they've been doing it for years so um we do have a saddle that's in the works and should be ready here it'll be ready july or sooner uh for market for the market um 
And with that, we're also going to be using or coming out with a uh, saddle platform as well, which the first one of this is going to be an aluminum saddle platform. But we do have plans of making that into carbon. Uh, that'll be a next year project. We just had a lot of resources tied up in, in time and everything up into the end. But um, so we prototyped it and made it out of aluminum. And essentially, we can roll that same technology into or the same CAD design everything into carbon now that we've figured out how to make the carbon work for this type of um, mold and it'll yeah. be a pretty easy launch as well next year okay do you have any specs for us on the saddle that you're or the platform that you're going to uh release yeah i mean the the saddle is just a it's a two panel design pretty sleek uh we're using different materials um I'm not, I, can't, I can't disclose that just yet until we launch it, but using different materials than people have been using as far as um, for the panels and things like that to essentially, you know, the big one of the biggest problems people have with saddles, you know, is comfort and hip, hip pinch is one of the most hardest things that people run into. Um, so, you know, we're using materials that alleviate a lot of the, or should alleviate all hip pinch for most people. I mean, it, it did has for us. Um, but you know, everybody's different. And, um, you know, and I always like the idea of a two panel because, you know, in fall protection, we use a thing called a, a bosun seat. You know, you, it's a seat that people sit on. Um, you know, you see a lot of people that are window washers using bosun's chairs, bosun seats that attach to their harness. And so all the weights distributed on that, on that bosun seat where that's essentially how a bottom panel of a um, saddle if you have a two panel design works you know you can scoot it down to hug the bottom of your legs and it also gives you a little bit more adjustment you know throughout the day um, to you know adjust your top panel as a back band and um, or bring it down to kind of cup and then essentially we're going to have it where it tightens up to where you can walk in it without the bottom panel dropping down if you're, if you're a person that walks in with your saddle on um, and then the platform is it's a middle of the road as far as size. Um, so let's say the most common larger platforms you hear about are the trophy line mission and the, uh, predator XL from tethered, uh, ours sits in between those two. And we just use some different angles, um, on our platform to allow, allow you to push off uh, a little bit better and, you know, allow you to stick when you are, you know, trying to get that, uh, around the tree shot or, you know, those off camber positions that you get into. Um, and then we made the platform a little deeper than most people because I, I shoot, uh, traditional equipment, which is a little bit longer and, uh, you know, you don't have draw stops. So your, your anchor points have to be repetitive. And I was running into issues with most people's, um, platforms that I was using being a little too shallow where I couldn't stand up to shoot if I wanted to. And, I like that. If I can get that shot, I like to be standing if I can. So that was some of the theory that went into, um, into our saddle platform. Cool. Um, anything else coming out of your guys's camp that, uh, you want to share with us today, anything top secret <laughs> or, uh, um, you know, maybe, uh, some, a direction that you, you guys might, uh, might head. I mean, the only other thing we've been, messing around with and and feel there's a need is like a really good mobile hunting pack like i primarily don't use anything but a frame pack because most of my hunts are you know at least a mile in if not more so 
I always have to pack a deer out, you know, if I'm in a state that allows that. Um, but there are some hunts I get to do and a lot of, not everybody hunts, has the ability to hunt deep, you know, just cause the, you know, the land they hunt that doesn't offer that. And, um, but I really want to create a really nice mobile hunting style pack that was very well made, you know? Um, yeah. So we have that in the works too. And, and in the design we're working on with that, it, it'll work with our products to integrate into our stand and, um, saddle platform and stuff like that as well. Do you guys ever see yourself becoming an accessory company too? Uh, just making it kind of a one-stop shop for stand sticks or a saddle screw in steps. Uh, and I mean, uh, screw in hooks, bow hooks, uh, bow ropes, anything like that. Uh, I mean, you know, we definitely, you know, as far as the rigging goes, uh, you know, for saddles, we're, we're going to have to get into that just because we're going to offer that. So different ropes and, sewn eyes, um, different, uh, types of ascent, mechanical ascending devices and things like that. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's the, the whole model. It's a bundling concept, you know, allow people to buy more from one place, you know, it's more efficient shipping and things like that. So we'll, we'll dabble in some of that where, where it needs to be. Um, you know, I have thought about screw in step type stuff and, the problem is like for a lot of public land that you can't really utilize that. And there's a lot of companies that are already doing a good job with it, in my opinion, that, and it's not something I really use much. I do have a friend that hunts deep public that he can drill into trees. So, you know, he started using, um, uh, I can't remember. It's not the Cranford steps. It's one of those screw in bolt types, um, steps, you know, can't remember the name of it um but he's been setting those up high with his preset stand and just using a couple sticks to get up to those so um you know that is cool stuff but i, I don't really see much advancement there for us to get into that market um and then who knows like i do have some another winter accessory that i've been working on for like a year um that you may see come out um this year some point but you know it's tough right now uh, when you make everything in America, like prototyping and everything's gotten in, in, in supply, you know, supply chains just gotten beat up, you know? And uh, so it's really hard to get materials from people these days. And, and also for people that are of any size that can handle production for you, they're so short staffed right now because they're having problems getting employees that it's, it's been a little challenge to get some folks to jump on, um, any type of new prototyping things that's that they're not currently doing but uh but fortunately you know we started some of the stuff that we're going to launch this year well before so we're, we're we're past that crux yeah yeah makes sense man well um other than that uh if guys want to find out more information about uh your your stands and your sticks where should we send them um our website's www.timberninjaoutdoors.com and then we're on you know, YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Timber Ninja Outdoors. So um, just shoot us an email through our website. You know, our, our emails are in, on our website. So we respond really quick, man, and um, always willing to help somebody out, answer any questions. And, you know, we're, we're, you know, we're biased, but not that biased. Like most, I get a lot of guys that call me and tell me what they're into. And, um, you know, and I, some of them, I, I tell them that maybe our stick's not for them. You know, maybe they need to go with X, Y, Z. You know, I mean, there's no reason not to, 
tell somebody they got to use your stuff, you know? Yeah. So we're absolutely, we, we can do, we've been, we've been mobile hunting for a long time, so we can help out multiple ways. All right. Well, I tell you what, man, I really appreciate you taking time out of your day to uh, hop on and chat with us and uh, talk to us a little bit about your, your business and your product. Yeah, man. Thank you.